0: flyweight champion of the world
1: this is fast eddie chambers and you're listening to the box Hard podcast with my main man joey cosmo
2: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 281 of the Box Hard Podcast. I am your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined as ever by the former heavyweight world title challenger, my brother from another mother, as they say, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing, my man? I'm good, my brother. How you feeling? How'd you like that intro as well? <laughs> oh, it was great. I like the brother from another. You know what I mean? I like it. It was nice. <laughs> There we have it. But like I say, this is um, episode 281. You should know by now how it goes. We're going to start with the review part. Let's delve into last week's action. Going to start here at the Spark Arena in Auckland, New Zealand. Um, a heavyweight fight between Joseph Parker, former WBO heavyweight world champion. He was able to unanimously beat over 12 rounds Junior Farr. Um, who is a former foe of his because Junior Farr holds a win over him in the amateurs. He was undefeated, 19-0 and going in, but he lost his O there. A win for Joseph Parker in his 30th Pro Contest, now 28-2. and It was for the vacant WBO Oriental Heavyweight title, um, obviously... Joseph Parker looking to get back in those WBO rankings. Also on the undercard, John Parker, the brother of Joseph Parker. He is now 6-0, a uh, unanimous decision win for him over four rounds against Egalani Taito. He won absolutely every round there. John Parker against the debutant. Moving out now to the Copper Box Arena in the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park in Hackney Wick, London, United Kingdom. Over here... um. It was a bit of a shame really because the card just had so much bad luck from the off. It was supposed to be the card where we got to see Jamel Heron against Carl Frampton. Obviously that fight fell through. Then we were gonna get to see Leon Woodstock against Anthony Kakachi. Then Leon Woodstock, you know, he 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 found a test for Corona on the on the week of the fight, a couple days before the before the uh, the fight was set to take place. So that was off. That was the main event. And in the end, um the the chief support ended up getting elevated to the main event position. Casey Kademi, eight and O going in. Um he's obviously trained by John Tandy. Um it was for his WBO European Superflyweight title and the vacant IBF European Superflyweight title. He got in against Ilyaz Ahmed, who was seven and two. A majority decision over ten rounds in the end for Ahmed. So Kademi loses his oh unfortunately um reached out to John Tandy after the fight uh, really felt for him actually it was a um it was a good fight it was a good fight uh, between two very hungry fighters i think Akmed who i'd I'd not seen before um was was really you know on his game he really came to fight um he definitely landed you know eye catching shots whereas Kademi's a guy who you know is is very very skillful he will hit you with a lot of shots he will move things like that and um i just don't think the judges liked what he was doing you know because it was it, it was it was an interesting start to the fight because i'd probably say it was like a round for kademi then a round for ahmed then a round for kademi then a round for ahmed it was that kind of back and forth type start and then in the mid rounds ahmed um, you know, he just he just fought better in the mid-rounds and he seemed to kind of run out of steam and then Kademi came through at the end. He's got great uh, footwork, Kademi. He is what I like to see in a lot of fighters that you don't really get to see in some of the bigger weights, some of the heavier weights where... You know, he's got great footwork, and um, mm-hmm. he puts his punches together well, and just, I don't know, it's just a thing that little fighters can do, and he he's a talented fighter, man. He's got a lot of skills. You could see that, and I thought he just nicked it, but yeah, the judges, I think, were, were you know, remembering the eye-catching shots, which I think Ahmed probably had the better of that, but other than that, um, you know, very, very saddened for John Tandy and his fighter there, but anyway... We must move on on the undercard. Um, Nathan Heaney with a with a win against Ryan Oliver on points over ten rounds. Tommy Fury was back. He managed to get a KO in round two against Scott Williams. Who, I've got to be honest, man, and I, I know that you know prospects when they're coming through, especially guys like Tommy Fury. Not much amateur background, not much amateur experience, but you know they need to do a little bit better with finding guys, especially for big. Um, I guess like social media stars like Tommy Fury, he got in there with a guy who was 0-9 and and he'd only had 48 hours notice, this guy as well, so it was never going to be a a great fight, but anyway, the, the one thing that Tommy Fury did do is get him out of there in the second round, and this guy had only been stopped once in those nine previous losses, so he's now... 0-10 Owen Ten with 2 KO losses. Tommy Fury like I say 5 and 0. Um yeah, good win for him. Sam Noakes as well with a win at first round KO against the guy who was undefeated, Delmar Thomas, and that's good for Sam Mokes there. Moving out now to the Shrine Exposition Center in Los Angeles, California, USA. Over here, Anthony Darrell returned to the ring for the first time in quite a while. I think his first fight back after losing to David Benavidez, if I'm not mistaken. I really should check that because I don't want to be giving out false information. Um Yes, it was his first fight back since losing to Benavides. He got in there with Chiron Davis, who was 15-2, and two, who, again, I hadn't really heard much about. He's got a loss to Patrick Day, obviously the, the late Patrick Day. Um, and yeah, you know, he got in there with Anthony Durrell, a man who has been a former world champion. You'd expect him to have too much for Chiron Davis. It ended up in a split draw over 12 rounds, a non-title fight. Split draw for Anthony Durrell. Uh, Moving out now to the Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, Florida, USA, over here, Canelo. Um, a win for him now, 55-1 and one with two draws. He was able to get Avni Yildirim out of there within, well, I say within three rounds. It was actually after the third round because he retired on his stool in the corner. Um, Avni Yildirim now, 21-3. and three. We all knew what was going to happen there. Canelo was way too good for his man. A defense of his WBC and WBA super middleweight world titles. Um, Yildirim was down in the third round and he was absolutely punch perfect, Canelo. I don't really want to go in too much uh, depth with the analysis and stuff like that. He was just too good. Every every single punch he threw and wanted to land, landed. rim I don't think, really touched Canelo at all. And it was just so one-sided. I expected a KO within three rounds. That's what happened. And it just was what it was. On to the next one very swiftly because they announced his next fight in the ring. And it's going to be against Billy Joe Saunders, which will take place on May the eighth, and that's unification as well. So uh, that's obviously for for uh, the the WBO title that Billy Joe Saunders has as well. So that's a great fight there. No complaints from me on that one at all. On the undercard of that, by the way, not not the uh, the, the the Canelo Saunders um, future event, but the undercard from the other night. McWilliams Arroyo. He was supposed to be fighting. Um, Julio, Cesar Martin, Julio Cesar Martinez, but he had to pull out, I think, with an injury or something. I think he got a hand injury whilst being in the bubble, which makes no sense at all, but not sure what happened there. He had to leave the bubble and in step to late replacement, Abraham Rodriguez. So, McWilliams Arroyo, um, I was looking forward to his fight, but he would have probably lost, but he ended up actually picking up a win, so good for him. A TKO in five rounds for him, and he also becomes the, the WBC Interim World Flyweight Champion. Zili Zhang, oh my lord god. This fight is the most frustrating thing. You didn't see any of this, Eddie, I don't think, no?
1: I didn't even see it. Okay. I, I... okay. Tell, tell me
2: what. This, I'm gonna really try to not get frustrated here. So, let me take a deep breath first. Do you know what? Let me go. Let me go on to the the other undercard fights before I get onto this. A win for Diego Pacheco. He's now eleven and zero. A unanimous decision over eight rounds against Rodolfo Gomez Jr. Um, yeah, that's it for the undercard. That's the other fight. So here we go. Zili Zhang, the six foot six Chinese Southpaw, silver medalist from the 2012 Olympics, got in there with Jerry Forrest, who was twenty six and four. Now. <laughs> Jerry Forrest really managed to annoy me, and I'm gonna explain why. So Jerry Forrest comes out, you know, on the ring walk. This is quite bizarre already, so so definitely listen up to this. He comes out on the ring walk, he um you know he, he looked very confident walking in, he gets in, um, then you know Zilly Zang comes out to the ring, gets in the other corner, fight starts. And Jerry Forrest, who can box, you know, he's not a bad fighter. One of his four losses came to Michael Hunter, the other one came to Carlos Takam. I don't know who the other two two came to, I forgot right now, but, he, you know, he's not a, he's not a mug. Anyway, he gets in there and he's boxing quite sharp. Now, he's a big underdog, but Zilly Zhang is not that great. So, I'm thinking, okay, there could be money to be made here on, on Jerry Forrest. So, I put small little bet down on Jerry Forrest to get the knockout, he's a big puncher so anyway, Jerry Forrest I can't, I'm can't. i not going to name the other boxer here but I was talking with a boxer during the, the ring walk and all that and I'm saying hey he looks confident, hey he looks quite sharp in round one now this boxer bet a significant amount of money on Jerry Forrest's last fight against Carlos Takam in which he could have won that fight but he didn't Uh, Because he decided to not really throw any punches. And it was really frustrating to watch. So I put a bet down this time thinking he could maybe trouble Zhang. So anyway, I'm speaking to the same boxer again. I'm saying, hey man, he looks quite sharp. So he's going, okay, I'm going to go and put this bet on. So I'm like, hold on. Don't put it on. He's just been dropped. So down he goes in the first round. He gets back up. He makes it through the round. Comes back out gets dropped in round two, gets back up, goes back to the corner, gets through the round, comes out in round three, gets dropped in round three, gets back up, and I'm like, what the hell is going on here, right? I couldn't believe it. I could not believe what was going on. My money is just fading away in front of me, right? So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and let me just say, the first knockdown in the first round, it was a chopping left hand. Um, which put Forrest down. Round two, Forrest was down um, from a from a right hook on right on the tip of his chin. Round three he was down again, um, and it was early as well. In every round, he got put down early, and then when he got back up, he seemed to kind of wake up a little bit. Um, but yeah, the the third knockdown that was you know he got hit with two right hooks followed by a left hook to put him down, um, and he got back up and he actually wobbled. Well, stiffened the legs of Zhang in that round, and Zhang was starting to breathe very heavy in the third round after trying to get his man out of there. Now, round four, Zhang won the round for me, but he was looking really tired. He was actually fighting in bursts, and I was thinking, there's a long way to go. Jerry Forrest, all of a sudden, looks like he's recuperated. There could be, you know, there could be a big, a big win on this. Like he's, you know, it's, it's now kind of seeming to turn. Round five. Zhang is completely fighting in bursts. And I really mean bursts. He probably threw about 10 punches the whole round. He was holding. He looked absolutely spent in round five. It's a 10-round fight. Round six... A dreadful, dreadful, dreadful round. Both men hugging. Zhang kept leaning. Um, they were, they were, you know, threatening to take a point off of Zhang. Round seven, dreadful round. Jerry Forrest should have been putting it on Zhang at this point. It was almost like he was waiting for Zhang to get a second wind. I don't know what he was doing. Zhang, I was thinking, wow, he's been, he's been absolutely, uh, you know like what's the word out on his feet from round 3 not due to punishment but due to complete exhaustion. Now we're in round 8. Zhang gets cut and hurt. Forrest was not able to step on the gas. It was really frustrating watching it. He was there for the he was there for the take in Zhang, uh, the undefeated, you know, fighter trying to get a fight with Anthony Joshua. He was holding on for dear life. He was absolutely exhausted. And I couldn't believe that he's been tired at this point for five rounds consecutively. No second wind anywhere in sight. I just don't know when he's going to recover. Round nine, Jerry Forrest comes out. He's throwing punches with absolutely no power on them. He's letting Zhang, for me, off the hook badly. And I just couldn't believe it. I'm screaming, thinking, what are you doing? Throw, like, just, just throw... As many punches as you can for thirty seconds. You're gonna knock him out. I swear to God. I, yeah. I, look, I'm not a boxer, man, but I tell you now, if I could, yeah. I could throw punches for thirty seconds without get, without stopping or whatever. That's all it took yeah. to stop this guy. He had no defense. He was exhausted. Round ten, yeah. Jerry Forrest tries to go for it. He hurt Zhang several times, but he was so exhausted himself, and I don't know why, because both men were just hugging and walking around for 5 rounds like I don't get it and you know the stoppage was there for the taking it was so frustrating he kept allowing Zhang to hold um at one point the referee took a point away from Zhang um you know the the even the crowd there was actually a crowd there they were they were roaring Cause you know it was just it, he was there ready to go, and Forrest was terrible. And then the bell goes, right? So everyone's like, "Oh my god!" Like he could have, he could have definitely knocked him out. He could, this could have been the best comeback in history. This was like the heavyweight flipping, um, you know, <laughs> Corrales Castillo. Like this is it. Right. But right but he didn't capitalize jerry Forrest. and then what does he do before they even announce the decision he tells his corner men to get out the ring and he does a backflip it's like what are you doing man how have you got the energy to do a backflip you're a big fat heavyweight you could have threw some more punches in the, in the fight right no so anyway. yeah anyway they um <laughs> they they announce the decision and it ends in I think one judge had it to Zhang if I'm not mistaken and the other yeah. judges the, the other two judges had it to uh, or had it had it had it a draw so it ends up being a majority draw. Now Jerry oh Forrest celebrates the draw, very quickly gets out of the ring, runs back up the uh, like the walkway I guess and there wasn't like a microphone on him. He didn't stick for an interview or anything like that. But there was like a microphone somewhere picking up the sound. And he was going, yeah, this is what I trained for. Yeah. I think he thought he won or something. And then you could hear him say, Anthony Joshua, I want Anthony Joshua next. And it's like, no, no one wants that fight for you next. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> it's like comedy. Like, you, it's, it's, no. it's unbelievable. Yo, I can't even believe it. <laughs> and the boxer that, I, the boxer that I was communicating with, um, we were just laughing. Like you know, he said I opened up my betting, like my betting app, to put a bet on, and I closed it so, so quickly after he got dropped. And then, and then I said, "Did you just see him do that backflip?" And he he said, "No." And I said, "He just did a backflip." And then he goes. You're joking! I said, "Wind it back." He just did a flipping backflip, man, and then yeah. he's like, "All right, I'm gonna wind it back." And I took a, I took like a video of my Dazone feed and sent it to him, and he just couldn't believe what he was seeing. Like, what is this guy thinking? Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it, that shit just makes me laugh, man. Hey, what would you do, un-
2: man? What would you do? If you had a fight. What would you do if you had a fight with someone? And at the end of, you know, ten rounds they they did a backflip, a heavyweight.
1: <laughs> I'd be like, first off, if you got the energy to do a damn backflip, your ass should have had the energy to put your hands on it more and finish the fight so you can have a win on your record with with a with a with a with a with a name like that, that would have definitely got you an opportunity, maybe not to fight Joshua, but would have definitely got a, got you a better opportunity at least a money making opportunity. Man, it, it's just... Some people just don't know sometimes what's in fighters' heads, man. I, and and it looked like he had a lot of crap in his. Trust me.
2: Yeah, and yeah, you're right. I mean, I just I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. But... Um, when, you, but when you think about the amount of things, the crazy things that guys do after
1: fights when they think they've won or... But I've seen guys celebrate draws before. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Guys who were opponents... You know what I mean? They didn't, they didn't expect to be in the fight, to be honest. And it's just, it's just to me, it's like that's not something to, to really cheer for. Now, granted, I understand you didn't expect to win, but that's not how you're supposed to carry yourself. You're supposed to be disappointed that you didn't win the fight. You're supposed to believe that you won, that you are going to win the fight, and then if the fight doesn't go your way, you should be upset, regardless of whether it's a draw or not. I, You would, like, for example, with me, when I fought Tomas, I would have taken a draw, and been okay with it, because I didn't expect to get a decision where I was at. But I'm not going to be happy about it, especially since I think I win. You know, and that if, if I, especially if I think I won. It's just craziness.
2: Yeah, it really was. And, um, yeah, I just I just couldn't believe it. I mean, Jesus Christ. Like, uh It was so frustrating watching it, because, you know, anyone could have stopped this guy. Like, oh, man but but i i tweeted it i was really annoyed and dave coldwell um the trainer came back to me and he he said like you know he did try to be fair and i said yeah he did try but how would you feel if 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 you were training a fighter a heavyweight better uh, better example as well um who pretty much had an opponent who was there for the taking for probably seven rounds in a row and he didn't he didn't get him out of there then afterwards he did a backflip right afterwards. How would you feel? <laughs> like
1: like you jerk off, you had a you had all the energy in the world after the fight was over to do a backflip, but no energy during the course of the fight to take advantage of the opportunity. Even if you did have energy, like you still shouldn't have done the backflip, especially after that performance.
2: No. Yeah. That would've that would have that would have made me upset, gonna on, uh, as a trainer. Well, anyway, there we have it. That is the review part. That's come to a close. The final thing to do is to welcome our sole guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated welterweight prospect. It is, of course, Mr. Sam Gilly. Sam, welcome to the show, my man. Thanks for having me, mate. My pleasure, Sam. It really is. So it's the first time you've been on. Um, I've been close. Uh, I've been paying close attention to you okay. for quite a while. Um, if I cast my memory back, I want to say the first time I I seen you in person. Uh, was just before I think you boxed Daniel Bazo on a on a haymaker card. I think you were that uh, correct blimey.
0: That was a while ago.
2: Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you hit some pads in David Haye's gym on the week of the fight or something like that?
0: Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. There you blimey. go.
2: I was there, and um, yeah. I remember sort oh, of wow. seeing you on the pads and thinking to myself. Out of all the other guys that were also doing that, I thought to myself, yeah. I quite like the look of this guy. I was there, the you know, on on the weekend that I saw you, uh, you know, beat Bazo, and that was it for me. Yeah. I, I thought, right, okay, I'm gonna keep an eye on this guy. So I always felt you were one oh, to watch. Oh. Um, yeah. So like I said, I was at that fight against against Bazo, I was also at your fight against Sam Amidi at the O2. And I was also at your fight against yep. Nathan Hardy. Um, let me ask you, Sam, what has been oh, your toughest? Oh, you've three
0: stinkers there, blimey. <laughs> and I'm still <laughs> impressed, mate, so don't worry. Yeah. God, oh, dear, they're three of my worst performances, though. Oh,
2: Jesus. Uh, I've stopped coming lately, so you've been, you've been yeah, doing well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I perform well when you're not there. <laughs> What's been your toughest one so far?
0: Ah, oh, Curtis Felix by a mile, but yeah. that was the one that I learned. I learnt most in... Do you know what? My debut was quite hard as well. Yeah. Um. I can't remember his... Oh, what was his name? Rudolph, wasn't it? Um, he was... I think he was about five foot two. He was an absolute nightmare. Yeah. But, um. But yeah, Curtis Felix was uh, was my hardest test so far by a month.
2: Yeah, okay. And, you know, you've boxed the, the usual suspects, the likes of uh, Jean yeah. Balog, <laughs> uh, the ever-so-tough William Warburton. <laughs> what was it like boxing William Warburton, man?
0: The uh, best way, of, do you know what? I've said this a few times. The best way to describe that is just put a pair of gloves on and just punch the wall. Because <laughs> that's, and like, that is what it's like with him. You just, you're hitting him and I've got to him. And he just, he flicks the jab back and slips off to the side. And you think, you think my amateur skis still standing up. And he just doesn't even wince. And like, he's, he's quite hard to pin down as well. Yeah. So, um, like, he, he he puts his left foot, like he drops down onto his left foot and like puts his left shoulder in front of his chin, and then brings his back foot round and like spins off, and it's it's quite unusual, but it gets him out of the way a lot of the time. And I mean, I've I've seen him in other fights, and I've seen him be hit really hard, like especially to the body, and it just doesn't seem to affect him. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I've seen him upset a couple of prospects there before. But um, one of your best career wins, if if I'm getting my measuring stick out, is against Fernando Valencia when you put him away in just two. Uh, quicker than anyone yeah. has ever done it. And, you know, he's fought a long list of names. Jack Rafferty, uh, Samuel Antwi, yeah. Tyrone Nurse, yeah. Chris Congo, Tamuka Mucha, Shaq Day, Bradley Skeet. None of them did what you did. Um, is that Am I right in saying do you agree that's probably one of your best ones there?
0: Yeah, yeah, that yeah that was um that was a good performance. Before I don't think back on that one too much, obviously, uh, really, but um but yeah, thinking about it in that in that sense, yeah, I mean we knew he was to uh we knew he was a tough kid and not a lot of people got him out there. And the other one that I had was Skeet, and I think he done it in three, if I'm right. Yeah, you're right. And uh but when he when he went over, yeah, it was um but I think that shows when I'm not trying to knock someone out, it comes a lot quicker because I'm very heavy-handed. But I, I know that, and sometimes I try a little bit too hard to land the bigger shots. And that fight, where I knew he was tough, I just thought he was gonna it it it, it last all night, sort of thing. So, and then I relaxed and clinched him with a right hand and shut him down. And uh. And the ref waved
2: it off, so yeah, that was a good win actually. Yeah, so it's a really good one. Um, and let's get on to that latest win. You last boxed a year ago this week against Curtis Felix yeah. Jr. for the vacant Southern area title. It was the first time you'd been past six rounds. Um tell me about that fight. Obviously you had him down in the final round, but you got the win on the end. Yeah. Uh, in the end on points. Yeah, I
0: mean that was um it was, it was a night of a lot of firsts for me. I mean, it was the first time I'd actually been down at 147. I know I'd done like 149 and stuff like that to get myself around there. But with that win with Valencia, MTK then signed me and said, "Right, well, we'll do you day before weigh because that's what I needed to get down to the weight and, and do it properly. And um, and that was the first time, obviously, I'd done what at the actual limit and I'd done it really easy. And then it was the first time one um, doing 10 rounds, first time in a title fight, it was... So, I mean, it was first time for me being co-main events. It was the first time I was actually in, in the uh, in the ring when it was a packed house. Because, like, if, if you remember, what I boxed at the O2, I think there was about 150 people in there, and 149 of them were my friends and family. So, <laughs> it was it was it, it was a it was a big big night for me. And I mean, the fight, I mean, I learnt more in them ten rounds with Felix than I did through through the other through the other um, through the other ten fights. But he um, I always knew I had the power to hurt him, like I said about Valencia. And I heard I wobbled him up in the third round. I think it was. I hit him with a left hook, and his knees went. And I thought, oh, next time I touch him, he's going to go. And that, and that, and that slowed me down a little bit in in the middle rounds. And his his work rate and his reactions it was um it was working a little bit more in his favor. But then Rod got him here and got me back to boxing and. And then and then again, once I sat and thought, Oh, this is going to points and I relaxed, then I got him. <laughs> but um I mean for him to get through that tenth round, he uh he must have dug somewhere deep. I mean I don't think you'll ever see him box that well again. But um yeah, that was uh that's been my favourite night so far.
2: Yeah, and for good reason. Um we're gonna get onto your next fight in just a minute. But what's the pandemic been like for you? Obviously you haven't boxed in that time. I'm guessing you're you're not a full time pro. Did you have to go back to work?
0: No, I I I am a full time pro. Oh, nice. And uh, I'm I'm well. I mean, lockdown's been hard. I mean, the fact that it's been it's been a year since that last fight is just it's abs- it's it's mental. Right, like, the fact we've dropped, dropped a year. I mean, I could have had I could have defended southern area and been and, and had a, a, a two more minimum fights by now. So, but I mean, everything happens for a reason. And I've been in the gym the whole time. Luckily, my sponsors have stuck by me and helped me out. I mean. We've just we've just been ticking over. I mean, Rod's been getting me over the course of the year. He's been getting me really tough sparring, so that's kept me switched switched on and kept me focusing on things. Because I mean, with the likes of Josh Taylor and stuff like, that, and the boys down the match from Jim, he's had me in there quite regular, and um and that keeps you switched on. Because you know, if you don't if you don't stick to your training for the week, you're gonna get an idea when you go down there. So, Rod done really well with that, and um and we was we was towards the start uh towards the start of the year, it was a little bit like. All right, we'll wait for crowds to come back. But then I think after about July time, when we realised they weren't going to be back for some time, we started getting half. Like we well, we got back in the we got back in the gym properly, like full on dieting and everything. And uh and we got offered a few things, but it was all it, it wasn't right for us. It was uh it was very short notice, and um so we was patient. And I mean, the patience meant we didn't we didn't box for a year, but the patience has paid off. There's now the perfect fight has been offered to us. For, yeah. uh, for March 26th. Yeah, and you
2: know, it's, it's a good situation you're in there to not have to go back and do something else. Last week we had um, Gavin McDonnell on the show and obviously, you know, his twin brother, Jamie McDonnell. So yeah. Gavin is, you know, former European champion, boxed for the world title twice. Jamie McDonnell, I think, what's he, a two-weight or two-time world champion. They went back to plastering. You know, it's been, uh, yeah. it's been wild, man. Um, do let you know me ask
0: what I'm For two weeks, <laughs> I done. I, I I worked at a um. I think it was, it was literally a month after the fight, literally because sitting. In, I've got a one bedroom flat and sitting in here was just doing my head in, So I went and done a couple of weeks uh, landscaping with my old firm, and then I sat at a um. And one of my other sponsors, in, a, uh, in London Recycling. I, I went in a, I worked a, but that was only for like three three weeks. But then. Yeah. And apart from that, I was just training. Yeah, I completely forgot I'd done that, to be fair.
2: no, nah, that's good stuff, man. And talking about the training, talking about the sparring, you mentioned there um, a couple – well, it sounded like you'd done some rounds with Josh Taylor. Um, what What other names have you been in there with, especially at the matchroom gym? Because that can get quite lively down there, especially with the welterweights and stuff that go down there. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it is uh, – I mean, every, every spar down there is, it well, it feels, it feels like a fight. It definitely is a fast pace. Uh, spa down there, but um, I um, yeah, uh, I, moved, I, I was with Josh Taylor for uh, uh, twice in Harlow before, uh, before his last fight. I've been in with David Avenesian, I've been in with um, uh, Kel Brook, uh, been in with Ted Sheevman, Connor Ben, uh, John Ryder. So, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a good list of names that I've been, I've been in with and. Although not getting out in, in the public eye and fighting, I've still been working on my trade and um, and learning things off all these fighters that are at elite level. So it's been good for me.
2: That's a great bunch of names there. And let's get on to your next fight now. It's been penciled in for March 26th at the Copper Box yep. against Danny Ball. Um, tell me what you know about yep. Danny.
0: Well, I know I know he's WBC Silver International Champion. That's, a, that's about as much as I knew about him until and, until I got the phone call. And then obviously we've watched a little bit of him. Rod does Rod does the um the sort of breakdown and stuff like that, and he watches a few videos. I've watched the, I've watched his win against um, Cartwright and the draw against Casey Benjamin, and we've just picked a few few um, positives, few negatives, and um and we're just building around that really. I mean, he's he's a good enough kid. Seems a nice enough lad, but um yeah, I mean. It, it ain't gonna change the result
2: on a uh, March 26th. Yeah, and it's a fight I'm really looking forward to. Once again, we get to see two undefeated guys clash, uh, especially at welterweight, yeah. which is just such a a massive division <laughs> now. You know. Um, yeah. Obviously, there's so many names domestically at welterweight, Sam, and we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But is there yeah. is you know is there a bunch of guys that you sort of wanna be in the mix with in the in the not so distant future? Anyone you wanna name? At 100%.
0: On, on, Well, obviously, listen. I've got to get this. I've got. To, I've got to go and win this fight first. Yeah, not jumping yeah, ahead, yeah. like you say, or nothing like that. But of course, I've got to have one eye on Jenkins Usman. I mean, that that British title. I mean, that's what. If, if you if you speak to any lad in in that welterweight division, they're going to be interested in that in that fight in that title because I mean, it's, it's it's the best belt in British boxing, isn't it? So it's uh, of course I going to have my eye on that, but. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that that would be uh, that would be one for the not too distant future. That I would uh, I'd love.
2: Yeah, and also I really like the uh, mckinson Congo fight. That's a brilliant one as well. Uh, I really like. Do you that. You know what?
0: I was uh, I was that's another person I've been inspired with. I went down to uh to Portsmouth and inspired Mikey a couple of weeks ago, and um, he's looking really good. He's looking sharp. But um, when that got announced, I was um. Yeah, I was uh, I was quite surprised that both of them, had, uh, both of them, taking it. To be fair, it's a fair play to both of them, but that would be a really, really good fight. Yeah, and uh, I've sp- sparred both lads, and uh, and the mix of styles would be quite interesting. To be fair, but um, yeah, I'll definitely be sitting there watching that. That'd be good.
2: Now you've dropped yourself in it. You've sparred them both. Who's going to win? <laughs>
0: ah, do you know what? I've got, like, Listen, I've got, it's a it's a gentleman's sport. I can't go and. I can't go and shout out who I reckon because of certain reasons, but I know I think it's gonna win, but it's it's, it, it's definitely not clear cut in my eyes. Do you know what I mean? I, I yeah. think I think both of them are good lads, and uh, and they're gonna and there's gonna be an entertaining fight.
2: Yeah, really looking forward to that as well. Like I said, the weight division on fire domestically. And just before we let you go, Sam, if you want to. Uh, you know, the floor's yours. If you want to thank any sponsors, you want to thank any family, friends, whoever you want to give a shout to. Uh, the microphone's yours. Take it away.
0: Oh, top man. Um, well, first of all, my sponsors—they've stuck by me for, for so long through this uh, through this lockdown. So, thank you to Home Glaze, Trendy Landscapes, Kitchens by Guy, Well Hydrate, James Farrett, Dirty South, Wendy Greyham, May Dance, in, and. Um, yeah, well, Rod well, Julian, because <laughs> he's um, he pulled me out of um of, do, of doing landscaping, and he uh and he's given me the opportunity to um to live my dream. So I've just got to go and pay him back on March twenty sixth.
2: <laughs> and just finally, Sam, if you want to give out your social media handles, where can people follow you, my friend? You got to give them that.
0: Yes, yeah, so, um, Sam Gilly boxing on Twitter, and just Sam Gilly on Facebook and Instagram wicked
2: all right listen sam it's been great having you on i'm really pleased we squeezed you in and to enable our listeners to hear you out and hopefully they can all jump on the bandwagon that for me is going very very far in this sport thanks for your time my friend
0: thanks very much mate appreciate it
2: okay now it's time for part two on this week's show um we are going to go to the news as ever, and we mentioned in in part one there about the canelo Saunders fight that's been penciled in for May the eighth no venue just yet, but um you know that's that's one of the fights that 's been announced The other fight there's only one other fight that's been announced um well i don't think it's been officially announced, but it's certainly. Um, looking like it's going to happen. And if there's any other news, then I'll get onto it at the very end. We're recording this quite early on in the week. Um, but as it stands, there's one fight that has been heavily talked about, Eddie, for April the 24th. It's looking like Andy Ruiz will be coming back um, to the ring against Chris Ariola. What? Yeah.
1: Interesting. I mean, look, don't get it twisted. We already know what's going to happen. But the reality of it is, that does sound like an appetizing type of fight. I mean, I know that uh, Andy's like licking his chops, like, yeah, this is going to be a, a good night for me. But I mean, hey, you never know. Chris Ariola hasn't been around for a while. Maybe he got some rest. Maybe he's back at, you know, back at some degree of, uh, you know, I, don't, I guess you want to say 100% and ready to uh, compete. But, I mean, I don't know at this stage in his career just what he's going to have, especially for a guy like Andy Ruiz. But, it, hey, it might be exciting for as long as it lasts.
2: Yeah, and I'm really excited to see how – Um, how Andy Ruiz looks, actually, because he's linked up with Canelo's training team, you know, with uh, Eddie Reynoso, and look how Oscar Vardes looked the other week, look how Canelo looked last week, and it'll be interesting to see how Ruiz looks. Um, Speaking of Canelo, actually, there's something that I don't think I've ever shared on the podcast before. Um, I actually had a... not a run-in... That'd be the wrong word, but I had, like, I managed to basically get up close to Canelo, which is a very hard task. Um, when he came over to the UK to fight Liam Smith, um, I went to the press conference and all that, and, um, you know, he, he kind of got ushered off into this room, and then I went and stood outside the room, and then he came out the room with, you know, all these Mexican uh, people, and... At this point, he really didn't speak any English, so I wanted him to sign a glove for me. Now, he he um, came out of this room, and then I'm kind of saying, Canelo, Canelo. And I'm saying, like, can you sign this glove or whatever? <laughs> and he's looking at me like, what on earth are you saying? I don't understand a thing you're saying. Um, and then basically, I showed him the pen and the and the glove, and then he signed it. And he really it's it's, it's, a, it's one of my most treasured possessions actually he signed it El Canelo um, really really uh, you know good to get that because it's such a rare thing he doesn't really seem to sign many gloves um, and I think right. I might have even given him a, a bit of Spanish as he was walking off I think I might have just said Buena Suerte like good luck and I think yeah. he actually turned around in English and just said thank you like he must have thought come on man like don't speak Spanish again because it doesn't suit no, you <laughs> no,
1: no, a, a lot of times Joe They respect that you try to actually learn their language because a lot of times, you know, like with American people or, you know, just English-speaking people, it's not really something that we really do a lot. So, like, even, you know, I've spent a lot of time around Spanish people and they really respect the fact that you even try, if you even try to speak the language
2: some, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's, I think, being a Brit... There's that you know, we've all kind of gone on holiday to Spain at one point and tried to order something in a Spanish accent, you know. And you just go, Yeah, um, one portion of patatas, and they just go, Do You want a portion of chips with with ketchup, yeah? You know, like they yeah. just spit, they're like, Come on, idiot. Like, <laughs> I don't know if he was doing that, but listen, if he was doing that, then uh, good job. <laughs> I didn't realize at the time because I'd have had to take him out there and then, you know. What I'm saying? <laughs> Anyway, hey, he can understand me now. Let me, let me, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Camilla. He can understand me now. Anyway, moving on to the preview part, Um, we're gonna start here later tonight. Later tonight, Thursday, the 4th of March, at the Municipal Boxing Gym in Puerto Rico. Over here, we get to see Sir Guy Bochuk. Eddie, um, he defends his WBC Continental America's Super Welterweight title against Brandon Adams of California. Brandon Adams, um, you know, in his most recent loss, went 12 rounds with Jamal Charlo, which many people don't manage to do. He got stopped in two rounds by John Thompson back in 2015, and his other loss came to Willie Monroe Jr. Uh, over 10 rounds unanimously. Uh, he lost that one back in 2014. But he's a decent fighter. The reason I like this is if you go 12 rounds with Jamal Charlo in 2019, that tells me you're quite durable. And he's going to need to be quite durable because he's getting in with a guy who has a 100% knockout ratio. 18-0 and 0 with 18 KOs. The Ukrainian based in Los Angeles, California. Um, He is definitely one to watch, Sergei Boerchuk. Uh, Moving out now to the H Arena in Nantes, France. Over here, Tony Yoka, the Olympic gold medalist from 2016. Um, He is 9-0. He fights for the vacant EBU European Union heavyweight title against... Belgium's Joel Jecko who boasts a record of 17-2 and two with a draw. I didn't know this, but apparently Joel Jecko lives in Essex. I did not know that. Anyway, um, Essex, UK. Um, but yeah, that'll be quite interesting. Well, it won't be really. He should he should beat him quite easy. And how about this for couple goals, Eddie? Tony Yoka is topping the bill. His wife is on the undercard. She fights Ooh. for the IBO world um, female lightweight title. So that is couple wow. goals, man. Undefeated. Really well, <laughs> undefeated. Uh, um, I think she won a medal in the Olympics as well. But um, that's, that's cool, man. That is very cool. I, I mean, when you look at stuff like that, it just
1: makes you think like, damn, would it be nice to have that? But uh, I can't complain about what my wife is doing, so.
2: It's nice. <laughs> but no, she is um she's quite a good fighter as well. She's not she's not um I mean she won the she won the gold medal in the 2016 Olympic Games actually. So she's she's not a bad fighter. She actually beat Katie Taylor um to Ooh. go into the finals and and then she beat the lady the Russian in the final. So she's She's really good. So that's a serious power couple, them two, really, in, in more ways than one. Um, where else will we go next? Let's go to uh, the Dalt Federal Event Center in Flint, Michigan, USA. Over here, topping the bill, Clarissa Shields, 10-0. and 0. She defends her WBC. Um, IBF, WBO, and W... No, sorry, she doesn't have the IBF. My apologies. She's got the WBC, WBO, and WBA... Um, female super welterweight titles, she gets in against the IBF champion, so whoever wins this fight becomes undisputed at 154 and her opponent is the Canadian um, Marie-Yves Decaire, who is 17 and 17-0, she has zero knockouts, but she is a really good fighter so no complaints from me on that one all the best to Clarissa Shields who I'm a big fan of, you know for those that don't know, we well, you must know we we uh we we sung a song together at one point, but it seems to be very difficult to get her back on the show. I don't know what's happened with her I um, haven't heard from her in quite a while, maybe she saw me in the corner of her opponent in her last fight. I don't know um moving now to the the Saturday. On Saturday in the Intercontinental Miami in Florida. Just one fight to mention over here. Alexander Ustinov, 36-4. and 4. He's boxing in the States against Terrell Jamal Woods, who's 24-47 and 47 with eight draws. Um, yeah, that's it for that one. I think there's a fight midweek next week. Let me just quickly check that, and that'll be the f- the final fight to go over. Um, I think it's on the Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, just one fight to mention. I think it is... I want to say it's a Mayweather promotion show. I'm not sure. I think, actually, Lou is, um is promoting it. It's on Showtime um Brandon Lee he's definitely one to to keep an eye out for. He is 21 and 0 with 19 KOs. He's only 21 years of age. He gets in against Samuel Taylor who is 17 and 3 with a draw. He's never been stopped so that could be quite interesting. He is from Liberia but he lives in Philadelphia. His other losses came to Trey Wiggins, Montana Love and someone else. Yeah, that would be quite interesting. Just to, just a name there, the, you know, for, for the prospects. Brandon Lee, certainly one to look out for, looking to make it 22-0 with 20 KOs, should he become the first man to stop Samuel Thayer. But anyway, that is it for all of the show now. That is it for, oh, another vibration just before we wrap it up, Eddie. Thanks for that, man. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's all good, it's all good, it's all good. That is it for the review part. We did that in part one. We welcomed our sole guest. That is it for the news and the previewing. The final thing to do is to, well, is to come in with the outro, which I'll do in a few seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode 281 of the Boxar Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A massive thank you to our sole guest on this week's podcast, the undefeated welterweight prospect, Sam Gilly. There has been some news break whilst we've been recording the show. Gavin McDonald's fight against Andoni Gargo for the European title has now been pushed back to April 23rd, something to do with the travel restrictions and stuff like that in Spain. Chand Chantel Cameron has been forced out of her scheduled fight against Melissa Hernandez due to an injury. I think they're looking at a date in the future to sometime reschedule that fight. All the best to Chantel there. And finally, one of my absolute favorite fights to be made in boxing is happening for May 22nd in Las Vegas. It's for all the belts at super lightweight. The winner is simply the undisputed champion at 140. Josh Taylor versus Jose Ramirez. Somebody's oh must go, and the winner takes four. belts back home all four belts all four world titles i absolutely cannot wait for that date there but that's about everything from myself thank you all for listening enjoy your weekends people stay safe and we shall see you all again next week